All right, everybody, welcome to another episode of a West Seattle NASCast. This is episode number four of a Monday Ooh, four. mail bag, or as some call it, a mailbag Monday. Or uh, Monday mailbag. The question, um, the first, well, not so much a question, the first insight for today is this is number four. So the first two we did, oh, I should introduce my co-host. <laughs> My illustrious co-hosts are joining me. We have the the good Reverend uh, Pastor Terry Matson in the house. Hello, hi. And then we have the marvelous Minister uh, back on the program. The marvelous Minister Laura Chesselson joining us. Uh, So, in the first two episodes, uh, Laura was on the podcast, and I mean, it was our first experiment with this thing. But and we got but we got some listens. We're in the somewhere in the twenty to thirty each. Uh, and then we did one, the third uh, podcast, where it was just uh, my father and I, and I think we were only like 11 listens. So, so. clearly, uh, there's like a magic bullet here. Uh, if we don't have Laura on the podcast, it doesn't go out. Laura, get off your phone. Oh. Seriously. I'm looking up answers to the question. You do not. You do <laughs> not. You do not multitask, Laura. We need your presence. I'm That's totally who you present. Are. I'm 99.9 and nine tenths present. All right. What did I, I just you. say? I am. Huh? What did I just say? You just said that we're not doing a podcast unless I'm here. So. That's not what you said. <laughs> <laughs> You're not publishing. Um, I just said that the first two podcasts that you were on, we were like in the 20 to 30 listens. And then on the one that you weren't on, we only had like 11. Yeah. Yeah, so then, then he did say that. He said, so we're not publishing unless I'm on. Didn't you just say that? <laughs> I was trying to compliment you and get some banter, uh, but we'll just move on to the question segment. <laughs> um, we've got three questions uh, brought to you by folks from the church. And so... Um, hey, I will do it if I do it alone. And then we get like three listens. <laughs> So question number one. This one has been on a yellow notebook somewhere since uh, COVID-19 or early on in, in since COVID-19 hit. Uh, this question is brought to you by the illustrious Ken Rude Sr. Good. What do you call, what do you call him, Laura? Ken Allen. Ken Allen. What's Where did you come up with Ken Allen? Because he called me Laura Lou, and only my brother calls me Laura. My middle name is Luella. There, I said it in podcasts Thank and everything. God. Ooh. And so, so my brother calls me Laura Lou, and out of the blue, one morning, Ken greeted me and said, Morning, Laura Lou. And I'm like, how did you know that? And I said, if you're going to call me Laura Lou, I need to know your middle name, which is Alan. Lou? So, who would, that sounds like a southerner that would name you that. It's, Forgive me, everybody. My grandmother's out. name is Luella, so my name uh, is Laura Luella. Okay, okay. And she was very northern. She's, and that comment well, sounds very biased. Oh, it is. Absolutely <laughs> it is. prejudiced. It, it, it does sound, yeah, Laura Lou sounds very southernish. Well, yeah, Ken, Ken Allen, rude, senior. Ken Allen, rude, senior. Uh, asked this question. I, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because he asked it like three months ago. We're now just getting around to... Uh, did you just out Ken Rude? I mean, in terms of his middle name. No, Laura's been outing him since okay. she came. Uh, and the question is, he's referencing that verse that says uh, God, well, how he asked it was, God, if, it, if the Bible says that God does not give us more than we can handle, um, how are we supposed to think about the reality of what is going on right now in front of us? And specifically, when he asked the question, he was referencing 
um, some of the talk of folks who were suffering enormous depression, even up into uh, potentially taking one's own life. Uh, and this, again, was very early on uh, when COVID hit. And he, so he was just, the question was, how are we supposed to think about this idea that God will not give us more than we can handle if clearly um, the world is throwing a lot at us? And for some people, it is, in their experience, too much to handle. So they um, ultimately uh, take their own life. So how would you answer uh, Ken Allen, my uh, budding theologian's Ken Allen. Ken Allen, that's a really good question. I I guess it's rolled around in my own soul, you know, more than half a dozen times in these last six months, too. So my question to that question is, is how, how do we read the Bible and find that in there? So I'm trying to, that's where I was scoping out my phone Bible when I was so rudely interrupted. You and I are on the same passage. I think it's in Hebrews, although I'm not sure I'm I'm looking at it. There's one relevant here. It says, and let's hold on to the confession. Note that that is a struggle. Uh, You have to hold on to this confession because in some ways it challenges even rational thinking. Since we have a high great priest who has passed through the heavens, who is Jesus, God's son, Because we don't have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weakness, but instead one who was tempted in every way that we are except without sin. Let us therefore draw near to the throne of favor with confidence that we can receive help, receive mercy, and find grace when we need help. That's not it, but that's close. I was going to say. That is exactly not the verse he was talking about. (laughs) I'm looking for, and and I, I think... But it's relevant. I think there's implications, you know, and, and certainly we have, you know, a, a culture in in church, in the church world that says God will carry you through everything. And and um, I'm sure that's come out of my mouth. You know, God will never, won't give you more than you can handle. Well, there's a text I just, that says that. I should have had it. That up. actually says that? No, so let's, okay, so let's stop there. That he is referencing, I think we could all admit, that we have heard in Christian subculture one of those popular little piffy phrases, God will not give you more than you, you can, can handle. handle. And, and he, when he asked the question, he was specifically talking about a verse in 1 Corinthians. I'll oh, read it to you. Oh, 1 Corinthians. Okay, because when you texted the question to me, I didn't get the scripture reference. It says 1 Corinthians, or it's 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. It says, no temptation That's it. has seized you, but you were close. You were in Hebrews. Well, That's because Hebrews talks you were about in the, right the same testament. thing. Yeah. Oh, I love it when if it, it helps, I was thinking Corinthians first and thinking, no, no. I'm sure. I'm sure you were. I were. Yeah. First Corinthians ten verse thirteen. No temptation has seized you that isn't common for all people, but God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted beyond your abilities. Instead, with the temptations, God will always supply a way out so that you will be able to endure it. Yikes, there it is. Well, except <laughs> that the verse before it needs to be stated. In fact, I'm going back two verses. Let's not grumble like some of them did, meaning Israel in the wilderness, and were killed by the destroyer. These things happened to them as an example and were written as warnings for us to whom the end time has come. Note that... He believed he was in the end time, which he was. It was the beginning of the end times, the new age that has come in Jesus. But the context there is not exactly as we phrase it. 
God won't give you more than you can handle. The context there is that this is a battle. And the, the specific uh, reference is be careful not to fall. Um, and there is a warning there um, that, that life is a test. And there is a sense in which one needs to succeed at this. And so there is the possibility of error. I think that this, the scripture assumes the possibility of failure. And the assurance is not that we won't fail, but that God has given us a grace to walk through it, that it's common to humanity, and God will not abandon us in it, and will help us find a way through it or out of it. And I like what, the, what it says, too, because the, the way we word this is God won't give you more than you can handle. And we even had this discussion Wednesday night, too, about is it God that's actually dishing out that's all these question. trials that we go through? Is it... Are these difficulties, the difficulties of COVID, the difficulties of unemployment, are these things that God is giving us? Um, and the, the word is in no. the, Well, the word in the text here is allow. God is faithful. He won't allow you to be tempted. That's, a, that's, that's in a different context than, than, than the question we're asking. Um, but I think Wednesday night's conversation kind of informs this one in the sense that um, God is not the author of evil. God is not the author of pain, um, but we live in a very real world full of pain and hurt. For me personally, um, and this is turning another corner, and then I'll stop and you guys can respond, but... Um, it comes down to the presence of God. I frequently feel that myself at moments in my life and, and certainly others that I see around me now are absolutely in the midst of things too big for them to handle. Too much grief, too much pain, too much hardship. Um, I experience that it is the presence of Christ that is promised to carry us through and um, surround us while we walk through that. I, I, yeah, and I think, I think that's really good. There's a couple things here that I, I think are um, important. First of all, the premise of the question they ask is, what do we do when the Bible says God won't give us more than we can handle. I think you began to touch on it there. Um, I think we need to start by flatly up front saying the Bible doesn't say that. That's correct. Um, the Bible here is not saying God won't give us. It's, this text isn't even inferring that the temptation is something God gave. This text is saying that inevitably as temptation comes, that's not God's doing, but as it comes, God is at work on the backside for the good, much like we talked about Wednesday, providing a way out. So I think we need to, um, much like we were doing on Wednesday, I think we need to up front just say, this text is not one of those texts that should be used to say, see, Paul is painting a picture where God is pulling all the levers and God is making everything happen. Um, no, no, Paul here is just saying, as things are happening to you and in this context, as you're tempted, God is at the work of providing a way out for you. Yes. I think uh, there's two or three things that are important. The first is, is, is to reinforce what you just said. Christians are not fatalists, although many act as though we are. They're we, not what? Fatalist. We do not believe God orders the events of the world in a certain outcome. That they are fixed, that 
forgive me, but even our moment of death. Those things are not fixed in God's heart and mind. But be God, careful or we're going to get in a conversation of like open theism and stuff. <laughs> well, inevitably, you almost have to at one level. Um, but so we're not fatalist. Christianity has never been fatalistic in its intent. In fact, it's the opposite. Christianity has always usually been until you come into when the Roman church gained power over Rome and Rome fell, and in the American-European experience, Christianity has usually been an exilic religion where the, the followers had no control over events. And so what they looked for is what you're talking about, Laura. They didn't look for a god who, who uh, made uh, the Roman emperor kill all their friends. They looked for a god who believed, who they believed was acting inside the murderous Roman Empire and was going to ultimately uh, deliver the kingdom of God on earth. That was their optimism. That was the basis of it, that fundamental belief. God is present and active, but God is not controlling. So to translate that to now, for us to be able to do that, to, to look around us and say, it's not God that is leading people to suicide. It is not God that is... Um, that has caused COVID. It's not God that's that's bringing unemployment, but that what we look for is um, the redeeming, healing, compassionate, all-loving God that is at work underneath and around those very uh, sometimes inescapable realities of life, and He's at work in that to do a Romans eight twenty eight. All things work together for good because Actually, God, God is at work in all things for the good. God is yeah. at work. Yeah, um, it's not that all things work out for the good. It's that God is at work in, in all, all things. things God is in all things, though. Yes, He absolutely. is working, yes. And last, last thing, at least for me, that I think is important to remember is, and this maybe goes back to uh, biblical interpretation and why it's important we don't just pick and choose certain one-off verses and then make them into, like, declarative theological statements. Um, but this one verse is coming within a whole context of Paul writing to a church that's just a big old hot mess. And, and out uh, of the early church that was a hot mess, the, the Jews. And so he is trying to, uh, he's trying to form them in a into a community that is living the kingdom sort of life. And so the context here is not suffering. It's not a pandemic. It's not um, grief. It's not depression. The context here is sin. It's, the context is them giving themselves to ways of being as individuals and as a community that are contrary to the kingdom. And so what, what Paul is addressing here uh, is temptation and saying that, that this whole thing is not determined for you to just continue to give yourself to this way of being, but God is at work actively trying to provide an alternative way of being if you will give yourself to that. And I, I do think there is a difference between, uh, or we might say it's not as simple as saying temptation and specifically temptation for this early uh, Jesus community is not the same thing as a pandemic and deep, deep depression now. Yeah. Well, I hope we helped Ken Sr. or at least confused you more and created more questions. The long and short of it is the Bible doesn't say that God won't give us more uh, than we can handle. Paul does write to a specific church that God um, is at work providing a way out of the ways in which we uh, find ourselves in systems and, and ways of being as individuals that are 
uh, broken. So uh, send us a follow-up question, and we will uh, we'll confuse those too. Let's take a break. We'll be back for segment number two. All right, we're back for uh, question number two, which comes to us from the the legend, Rico. How, what's her last name? Rico. I want to say Rico. She's Rico. Who knows if She's she wants just, her last name on the podcast? There's one and only. She Who knows if she wants her first name? name. Who knows if she wants Rico. her first name on the podcast? But we'll if name her. You don't her. know Rico. You're missing life. Uh, Rico asks. I miss uh, you, this Rico. Came in. Mm-hmm. We do miss you, Rico. Um. And she just essentially a statement with a question inside of it. I'm struggling with distance worship. And uh, as, as we conversed a little bit, some of, some of what came out of that is um, probably the accountability of following through um, as well as the fellowship. Um, do you have any pointers, which we probably should say up front, not many of us, I guess, Early on, maybe, Laura, you had a couple Sundays, but not many of us have had much experience being on the flip side. Most of our experience comes from being the producers or whatever of the online experience. On stage and trying to remember what happens next. <laughs> yeah. So, so what, 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 how, what would we say to somebody who uh, is struggling with this online worship experience and, and yeah. Did you nuance her question and I missed it? Like, did she, did you guys discuss the question or did she just send it in like that? Specifically was, I'm struggling with distance worship. Do you have any pointers? And then she added later, um, the words accountability and fellowship accountability are, are and things fellowship. she's, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I think one function, first of all, I don't think, I don't think there's anything to struggle with. I mean, except it's appropriate to struggle. But she doesn't need to struggle with struggling, meaning she doesn't need to feel bad about that. That's human. Uh, especially if your personality is like Rico's, which she draws life from being with people. She is life. That's one of the things I miss about her. Uh, there are some people that just, Ivy is the atypical. You are that way too. There's some people that walk into a room and they give life because they enjoy being with people. And then there are people that are more like me that are good at it but it draws energy from you and you have to get away and escape and get alone for a while to recoup. Uh, so I think for people who draw life from people, this is a difficult season. We need to first admit that. Yes, I think that's true. And, and not that this really answers the question, but I think you should know Rico that you're not alone. I think there's many of us at varying levels that are like this, this is not really becoming the new norm. You know, it's not, and maybe that's good. We don't really want to necessarily get no. used to this, and we probably shouldn't get used to it. So there's a sense in which as long as there is need for us to do this, it is going to be a struggle. It's going to continue to feel awkward and not okay and, and um, you know, some of those, some of those other um, unpleasant words. I don't think that that means there's not things we can do, though. I don't really – I mean, I'm not super good at this, but I, I do know um, – and, you know, maybe we already do this, but my mom used to always say to me, Sunday morning starts Saturday night. And she wasn't talking about worship prep and logistical stuff, but she was talking about uh, making connections both with God and with people. And, of course, I didn't... I you know, lived back in the dinosaur days. So when I was a child, we mm. didn't have text mm. and email and all that. But I remember, you know 
here and there talking with friends about getting together at church. Um, so, uh, you know, one thing is just kind of when, I think when we're not in that hour block, um, to just increase our connections. If somebody crosses your mind, shoot a text, um, you know, mm. say a prayer, call somebody and say, I'm thinking or about you. Or meet with social distance. There's, we are certainly have the privilege to do that in a, outside particular yes. places, and we're in a season where that works. Anybody up for a walk on the beach? I've done a couple of them, and we can walk down Alki and, and maintain distance while eating a donut, and it's, it's fabulous. Yes, so I think, you know, I, I know for me, those Sundays that I've shown up, and I've really had no other connection with anybody other than this hour. It's har- it's harder to plug in. It is. So maybe that's a, a logistic that, that could help us feel more connected during the 11 o'clock hour. I think my advice um, would be if you're somebody who, who believes, and, and I hope people would be, that, that worship is essential um, into the formation of, of the people of God, um, that you just start out with a sense that I'm going to do it uh, and take off any excuse of not. Um, sure. And that a part of that is you set aside your time and space for that. So again, I, this, is, this is outside of, this is not something I've been able to do because I've been the one formatting and doing the church service, but but if it was me doing it at home, I think I would, um, for that hour, I would turn off my phone. If I was using a, like a, a laptop, I would create the space, get the coffee ready, uh, put, maybe, maybe I'd project it on the TV, and then literally create a space where that was the thing me and my family was doing. And it wasn't, uh, or and maybe some people could do it while they're gardening, but whatever, however you're going to set up your time, that it becomes not just kind of like I'm going to do this and I'll have the service going on in the background or in my headphones, but that you treat it like, like this is, you are going to be present to the, the gathering for worship. One of the gifts of this season is that because everything is now online and, and you're going in, you have so many choices. You have a hundred, a thousand TV channels. You have lots of choices on your phone, etc. So you just don't know what I'm going to look at now. What you're talking about, Pastor, I think is extremely critical because once a week the family gathers, if you have family, together or you gather in some meaningful place and you say, this is not online time, this is God time, even though I don't normally buy in. I would say um, for those who, now some for the, some it's a distraction, but for those who is interest, I think commenting is helpful and interacting as appropriate um, because that it, it forces you to listen. It forces you to interact with others. If, if not, um, maybe get a journal and, and take notes throughout. Uh, there's, in fact, I, thinking about uh, ordering some, Target actually has some church journals. I think you got one for your birthday. It was the first time I, I saw it. Yeah. And it, if, if everything's going to be online, this might be a season where you just, you have that handy. So you really are finding ways of interacting with the content. Because let's be honest, we're not set up for, to make this the most exciting uh, or the most sexy hour of your week. So it, well, it, I am there. It, I mean. Oh, dear. Uh, it takes intentionality on both ends. We will be intentional about the content of the liturgy. Um, but I think on the flip side, if, if liturgy is the work of the people, then that work happens both the people in front of the camera, but also the people that are watching the camera. There is a work to it. Uh, and I, so I, I think my first instinct to, to everyone is we need to take seriously the work. And it may, in fact, be harder um, 
but but if we if we think the formation that happens in in worship is important then that work is more important in this season than now than ever i think um one of the things that helps me is to repeat it i do that with the wednesday devotionals i have not but i'm going to now now that the questions come up do it with the services because when you go back through it and you're just listening and you have a concentrated time on a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday that is your alone time with God, there's something about listening to the power of this that is just incredible and awesome. It is, and to make time. it part of our to make it part of our rhythm. Because our roots are in rhythm. You know, the you know, where we came from and the the whole foundations of Christianity started with as you've been ex- taking us through Acts, Sean, like incredible rhythms and they're part of what forms us and makes it real so i love the idea of listening back to it and um i just listened to uh my sermon from this week for an editing thing i was doing to get it online yeah. and uh it was a pretty good sermon so i uh yes. I, I highly encourage people to go back and listen go back and listen <laughs> yeah but then the second um so that's just the worship component and i do think either as an individual or as families or maybe even you are somebody who wants to to in this season, grab two or three people and just say, will you on Sunday mornings come over for an hour and we'll do worship together? I think, I think putting in the work, the idea of liturgy, the work of the people is really important. But the fellowship component, that is tough. And so naming it up front, knowing it, that that is, it's going to be harder. I think you're right, Laura, uh, be it walks, be it a phone call or a text, though text feels less personal. Um, finding ways to, to create and fill the gaps of those relationships are important. I um, I am somebody who hates video chats, but I video chatted last night with my friend from high school for an hour. And just even on a screen, connecting um, was deeply meaningful. Yeah, I was just going to insert the word uh, intentionality into that because I know for me, I think of my church family like all the time and, and I, you know, different ones cross to my mind or whatever but if I don't make myself kind of a list and it sounds really um it sounds really weird because you just you want to think that we're all good-hearted enough and disciplined enough and on top of our game and schedule enough that we would just connect with people but to be very intentional and say whatever happens today I'm going to call that friend that's been on my mind in a lot five or ten minutes or whatever but to just be genuine in those moments and recognize that the rhythms of fellowship and the disciplines of fellowship are what builds community for us. To add one more thing I drive 75 miles a week handing out the uh, communion to various people the primary purpose of that is nothing more than I can think of no more concrete way to experience worship than in the body, broken body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And placing those in the hands of our people is a concrete connection that is quite powerful. The, and, and recognizing this is maybe circling back to the first part of this discussion, that let's say let's say this we are in this for the long haul. What does the long haul mean? It means maybe a year? That would be extreme long haul, but yes. Maybe a year and a half. I mean, who knows right now? But, but in the grand scheme of life, let's, let's say it's one well, you year. You know it's going to go away. Trump says so. <laughs> oh, dear. Is that what he's saying this week? No. That's a comment I'll definitely edit <laughs> so out. That was a month ago. Now you he's missed my it's joke. Gonna it was a little it's gonna this week. It's going to get worse before it gets better now. <laughs> but dun dun That This may be a very formational year. That's right. And, 
and the grind of this year. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it may very well be a grind, but that grind may open the door for future joy that had you not gone through the grind, you, you might never have experienced like, right, it's the, 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 to use the archetype of the Old Testament. To experience the promised land, you've got to go through the desert. So if you don't go through the desert, you might never get into the milk and the honey or the oat milk latte. It was way too biblical. That's the Romans 8 <laughs> argument. Exactly. Uh, I think there's another side of this, though, and I'm going to push back on the idea of intentionality that we've all reinforced. That is, I think there's room for creativity and openness. Now, uh, uh, Rico, specifically, you are... I do not make lists, and I think those are good ideas. I think that's good judgment, but, you know, sign, sign everywhere, sign. I do not make lists, but... Um, that's why you don't get anything done. <laughs> Christian, <laughs> Christian and Emily have started a garden that has brought more communal life to a part of our fellowship and neighbors than any other single thing, and it's because they are responding creatively. Rico, you have that gift. You have the gift of... Uh, so whatever it is the Holy Spirit has been kind of prompting in your head and your heart, yes. obey that, follow it. Uh, Laura is wanting to do something with women that I'll let her talk about that I think she needs to follow because that's the prompting of the Spirit that deals with this fellowship aspect. And it comes out of creativity, not lists. Yes. Well, and you're not really pushing back because, you know, it's like I said one half of it, but it's both and. Sure. I don't. I don't make lists or follow them every day and I and I absolutely and the garden is a, a completely perfect example of spontaneity and seeing a need and jumping in so yes life is not definitely not driven by lists but it does help us she used the word accountability and mm-hmm. it does help us um, to keep our actions accountable to our heart and oh great I wasn't sometimes. disagreeing with any of that but yes. what about what is it that God's been putting on your heart yeah so um and uh, any women out there or anybody that has some ideas, I'd, what God has put on my heart um, absolutely falls in the camp of what Terry just um, just brought up. It's, it's really more of a dream kind of rolling around in my soul that doesn't have absolute definition yet or much definition at all. Uh, but in this season, and it looks like perhaps prolonged chapter where we're going to be doing this, whatever we call this, for a while, um, I have had a longing to connect more deeply with the women of our church and, and perhaps the women of our community uh, just to, uh, to connect and, and to be who we are and to see what God would do with us. Um, I don't know what that means. What I don't want, and this is why I haven't just said, hey, Sean, let's do this. I'm going to kick it off September 1st. What I don't want is just to add another thing to our lists of things to do, another Zoom meeting to go to, another um, another Bible study or prayer that's not, you know, not very, very... Um, uh, Meaningful. Of the menial, thank you, thank you for that word. So, and I don't know what. So, I don't know what that is. I'm praying for something to kind of stir organically in us. I've thought of, you know, kind of some. I mean, my brain is going things like this during this season. We start with some some walks, and out of those conversations mm-hmm. come some dialogues, perhaps a, a communal kind of podcast or a or a service project or a vision or a mission of some kind where God can 
move deeply in our hearts as as the women of this community. So there you have it. I don't really know what it is, but I know that there's something there that's a seed. Um, so please respond and contact me if you've got um, ideas towards that. So I think we all have picked up on this a little bit. Part of the solution of, of feeling tied in on the Sunday morning worship hour is being tied in in other ways. Mm-hmm. And so having something to do, a task, a way in which our participation in the community matters, which means some creativity in this season. And so like you've just said for the ladies, that's there's a potential avenue where people could help and dream with you and get creative and, and, and be a part of something. And I think if we have something we're a part of, it enhances the whole thing, not just that, that right, that, that group or whatever that would be um, would trickle down into other areas of the life of the community as well. And then lastly, I would just say uh, at the fellowship part, take advantage of the things that are happening. Um, so we, we're, we're not gathering currently in the larger kind of Sunday morning worship gathering because that it's a lot of people and, and, and complicates matters to do so at this point. But we are like Wednesday nights getting together in smaller groups. And so um, I, I know that hasn't traditionally worked for everyone but this may be a season for some where they just say during COVID I'm going to be there on Wednesdays for for whatever Wednesdays we can gather outside because I just need the human interaction so that I mean there are pockets and 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 moments where where, where folks could tie into some things and and if you're craving fellowship you might I'm going to go to drinking parties how about that you're going to go to drinkies parties yeah. and you're saying that well, on well, a well, Nazarene well, podcast <laughs> God is working inside all events especially paying, telling the church where God is showing up and get our act together and get outside of ourselves. Uh, so adding to the idea of fellowship and going hinting what you hinted at, I think mission is part of it. I think one of the reasons the church is not available is because the church is supposed to be the community. They're already in the church. They just don't know it. So I was having, I've never been good at being neighbors. I've never wanted to know my neighbors. I wanted to know the neighbors inside the church. And that was my call in my heart. But now God has opened my heart to all of my neighbors who I suddenly know. And this last week I had a conversation with a couple of them that we've gotten to know, got casual with, and they have a new kid. And and they've started gathering um, my neighbors for cocktail parties and said, why don't you come? And they, I think, no, I don't drink. And joked about, you know, and I said, yeah, I'll bring my Pepsi. It'll be fun. And and then we, we went off and started talking about a game that they do. That is the heart and soul of the church. Yes, it Just is. Just showing up with my Pepsi and uh, not trying to convert anybody to become non-alcoholics at that point. Just being is the point. I just, I just want to add that if you truly wanted to honor Jesus, though, you'd show up with your Coke. <laughs> no, that would be evil. <laughs> well, we've, uh, I think... Uh, we've hit this pretty good. I, although I think this one needs to be a continued conversation. Uh, this might even be one that we turn into each of us writing a blog topic on. Because I do, I'm, I'm guessing this is not exclusive to any one person, but there are several in our community. Um, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back for the third and final segment. All right, we're back. Uh, we should remind you, it's probably good uh, if you have questions, uh, theological, about the Bible, pop culture, dare I say, maybe even politics, uh, or just random questions, uh, you know, about The Walking Dead, Star Trek, anything. Uh, send us, we'll, we'll, we'll gladly answer them. Uh, the last question is also from Rico. 
And uh, the question go. is, do you in this season, uh, and maybe I wonder how much these are tied to the, the second and third question, but do you have any recommendations for devotionals uh, that you would suggest uh, for this coming time? But I want to, before you... Amazon.com. Amazon. Type in Terry Matson, and you will see about six oh, books pop. 11 nice. books. Actually, Shameless but, plus. But six Shameless that are specifically plus. devotionals. But worthy. I, I can vouch. I have a hot take, though. Good. I have a hot take. I'm not sure I believe in my hot take, but I'm going to say it because that's what you do on podcasts. Hot take. Are you ready? I'm ready. Are you excited? Push back? I can't wait. Start a good fight? Devotionals are part of the problem. Sean, (laughs) we don't have two hours to unpack such a statement. (laughs) Devotionals are part of the problem. I'm not sure I believe that. In what sense do you mean that? Okay, so this is... I would argue that not having... Silence is part of the problem in our culture. Science? Silence. 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 Which is what devotion is. Okay. But devotional. They were asking about a devotional. So I said a devotional. Oh, yeah. I think most devotional. But you're talking about the difference between being devoted and doing devotion. I'm not saying devotions is part of the problem. I'm saying devotionals. I agree with that. Are part what's of the problem. The, what's Ooh. Devotions or devotionals? Yeah, like a devotional book. That it's gives like you a, a little bill. piffy two-sentence or two-paragraph reading. My, my, my thinking is, okay. is that in a culture that is very much self-help, so if you can find your, um, if you can find your, your little uh, two-sentence um, go get them tiger uh, phrase or quote of the day, uh, that we, and a culture that's very individualistic, and we just see that playing out in all sorts of um, Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and Snapchat and all those. Um, TikTok, I guess, is the new, yeah. Yes. Um, that, that then we have taken devotionals, and in the busyness of our individual lives, we've said, okay, I need to add a little bit of God to that. So give me my devotional that, very similar to my exercise routine and my work routine, and my, I need now my little two minutes of pick-me-up. So I'll have my two sentences or two paragraphs of spirituality that'll give me my mojo for the day, and I think it's part of the problem. I would agree with that. I would just um, push back on the definition because I like I call my Richard Rohr readings a devotional. Fair enough. But I have not defined it that way. But I but with the way you're defining it, I absolutely agree. The the kind of the packaged you know take these two aspirin and it'll cure all your yeah. spiritual stuff and that's all you need for the day. But I think there's a a broad spectrum of things that are under the umbrella of what's considered devotionals that's fair that are not that and i'm yeah and and, and let me push back on both of you first of all for somebody who's never done it for one minute or two minutes i say start and if you have to have a structured little devotional book find it and start jesus calling whatever yeah yeah and jesus calling actually is pretty good but it's horrible i mean it's great calvinist yeah, the point is, <laughs> the point is, any time with Jesus is valid time. So that's the pushback to what you're saying. Although I agree with, all so you're so to you devotional gurus, my question is: in order to be considered a devotional, then does it need to have those, like those questions at the end, the reflective no. whatever? No. Okay, so if we can broaden it, then Rico, I have um, a. Blog, a lady that blogs that I would recommend to you. I don't really know um, if you would love her. I do. Um, she's Who not. Is it? It's Ann Voskamp. Oh, okay. 
and Voskamp, she's not, um, she's not academic or super heady, but she's really, really deep. Um, she lives on a farm. She talks in images. Uh, and she really, her, her teachings are, are like along the line of Jesus. She finds things around her and she ties it to scripture and pulls out themes in life that I find super, super applicable. Um, Anne Voskamp, V, like victory, V-O-S-C-A-M-P. I think her blog is called Holy Experience. Hey, she's not paying any advertising. Don't give her too much. I'm, 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 just... I'm just, she, Rico asked. That's, you know, I, I she's not exclusively, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, who I read, but she's, um, really has inspired and encouraged me to, um, to, to embrace. Um, the answer, I mean, the answer Jesus. is there's a lot of resources. There's in, Event. And Voss. Yeah, there's that. Yeah. There's Terry Matson books on Amazon. There's the Bible Project. There's podcasts. We could all recommend a podcast or a book or a blog or authors. Um, I would stay. I, I would actually uh, recommend a couple things. I, you start with just reading scripture. Yes. Book of John. Um, book of John. I thought you said Book of Job. <laughs> yeah, start with start Job. With Job. Try, um, throw a little Ecclesiastes in there. And, and so if it were me, I would just start there. And whether you are a reader or a listener, I, I have found the Bible app where they read to me to be really helpful. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I and, and I would just say do that. Do that for 40 days, a chapter a day, two chapters a day, whatever works for you. And don't give yourself the ability to ask, is it doing anything for me? That's right. So for 40 days, you just do it. And at the end of the 40 days, then you can begin to have some of those conversations, but you just commit to it. And I, I would even partner that with the prayer liturgy we do on Wednesdays, um, because if you do the prayer liturgy, you're going to get uh, scripture uh, in there. And um, I think yeah, before I recommend... join us Wednesdays. Wednesdays. Join us Wednesday, but then separate. take that. Use, like, it, use it on a Thursday or Saturday as one of your times of silence. Yeah, it's and recorded. if you do that... Yeah. If you did that three or four times a week or every day each week and you I, you just did it every day without asking, does it do anything to me? I think the habit of that would form in an individual what, what uh, more than make up for a devotional. Uh, so I would start there. Uh, and then, and then, if you need a devotional after that, we could recommend. But that then gets you into um, contemplative prayer. It gets you into the the narrative of Scripture that I think feeds your soul in a deeper way than um, a two paragraph reading. Not to write those off, because I also follow Richard Rohr. Yes, I think there's a number of formative things that can be done that are very, very helpful. Um, think about what you're thinking about when you go to sleep. Um, if you have an ability to do like the Bible app and fall asleep with the reading of scripture, it changes what you dream about, how you dream, um, etc. So think about the formational ways in what you're listening to. I think another idea is to go to a, a public place, mask on, and sit and watch people. That's devotional. Mm-hmm. That's listening for God in the community. Another thing that comes to my mind, and this is kind of expanding, stretching the topic a little bit, but when we're talking about um, the devotion of devotionals, another thing that can increase your devotional life is to look around your home even and see what things feed the rhythm of Mm -hmm. devotion. You know, 
I know in the New Testament, and I believe still now, how the Jews had the mezuzah box on the um, on the on their doorpost, and you see, I think I've seen it in the Chosen, where they t- and the, and inside the mezuzah box is the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one God. They would touch it coming in and out of the door, so that every time they walked out and went out into the world, and every time they entered back into their home, they were consciously reminding themselves that they um, served and worshipped um, Yahweh God. The example of that in, in modern, and I do not know why we keep letting go of that in worship, but in your own home, get a bowl of water, place it on a place of entrance and exit, touch it, remembering your own baptism in Christ every time you do. That will transform your life. Those simple rhythms, they're meaningful. And the other thing that I would say, too, is that, that I think applies to any of this is that whether you are reading a Richard Rohr or Ann Voskamp or Terry Matson devotional um, that's a specific two pages, um, or your five or six in my case, five or six, yes, one one you know one sentence paragraphs for Terry. If whether you're doing that or your um, you know, or we're talking about some of the broader things, remember that it's not necessarily feelings driven. It's you're creating the, the formation of the spirit within you. And it's not about, um, I, I know in my early Christian years, and I think that we have all gone through this, you, there's a struggle of, you know, I don't feel close to Jesus right now, or I don't necessarily feel the presence, or I don't feel whatever. You know, we're just, we're in the middle of life, and we're inundated with so much, so many voices speaking to us externally. And so finding your story in Christ's story so that you can, be scripted from the inside out is the devotional process and that's a matter of the rhythms sometimes mm-hmm. you'll feel it fully sometimes you won't but Christ's presence is not based on our feelings and he is with you and in you and he will form you as as you become more intentional about these things it is no small thing that the ancient church the hebrew church talks about silence or the still small voice. The truth of the matter is, the purpose of devotions is to stop the noise, including interior noise. And so after a time of practicing silence, and silence is an incredible gift, when you get past the interior noise, and that's the hardest one, getting rid of all the noises around you is the first thing you notice that you let go of addiction, to become freer. Getting rid of the inner negative voices or positive voices or needy voices takes a while as well and that sometimes is difficult but once you're past that you hear God and that's the problem my hot take that I think I'm agreeing with more as I go uh, if, if you uh, if you disagree and my hot take makes you angry uh, you can email me at Bonnie Markham <laughs> at Gmail yeah. I'm just kidding sorry Bonnie <laughs> um, those kind of little cute short devotionals may be, may be helpful but if they're the only thing they don't create a space that stops the noise. So you never slow down. In fact, if they're the only thing, it's probably they're the only thing because they're the thing you can fit in to all the noise that's going around. So they just contribute to more noise. Maybe we should, uh, now that I've trashed them, maybe we should, uh, maybe a way to tie everyone in in, uh, in this crazy COVID time is maybe we should start writing a, a church devotional every a week. Two minute. 
and let and let each person in the church take a day and then yeah. we'll just put it together like two weeks in advance and send it out it. on our worship prep. That's a great idea. I, I think it's a fantastic I might have, idea. I might have to take back my hot take. Yep. Rico is going to be the first. Yep, Rico, so start your writing. Yeah. Start thanks, writing. Thanks for the questions. Uh, send your questions. We need more uh, so we can keep doing this crazy thing. Uh, any, do you guys have Twitters yet? Twitter? Yep. You do? I do. All right. I do. I I haven't used it for a long time and All right. I doubt I could navigate it. Go but. find us on Twitter. I'll see if I saw mine. I any last words? I think that's good. Yeah. Thanks for listening. I'll let us know what you think. Like us. Uh I like, like us somewhere on the social media somehow. Share us. Uh reach out to us. We'll talk soon. Grace, peace. Bye y'all. Blessings. <laughs>